So, we're going to do something that I've never done before in the entire time I've been at Sunlight Community Church. So, uh, I started a discussion with a friend of mine that's a pastor in Denver two, three months ago. Because we were both talking about how uh, the world is and how it's different in different locations. He actually still, their church has not met in person once. They haven't done anything in person except for occasionally they do a worship night. But even then, they're restricted to less than 50 people. And so he was talking to me about what this year is. And it came and kind of resulted in the message that we're going to actually watch today. So if you're in person, it's a little different to be watching a message, right? But I'm going to read the passage that he's going to refer to this morning. My friend Nairup, I met him actually in Bolivia. We were pastors. We were on a trip for Compassion International, and he made fun of my shoes the whole trip. So you'll see that we both have a sense of humor because his greeting is kind of funny and somewhat of an inside joke, but you guys will laugh. So let me read from Mark chapter 5. That's where we'll be at today. And he will essentially show us what the grace in the interruption means. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been bound with shackles and chains, shackles and chains, but he wretched wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly to send him out of the country. Now in a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, sending, send the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country. And the people came to see what had just happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them, how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and how everyone had marveled. And when Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him as he was beside the sea. He can't even get out of the boat, guys. Isn't this, this is just crazy. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and alive. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered under many physicians and had spent what she had and was no better but rather grew worse. 
She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up to behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who had said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered it, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the, children's fa the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talia kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and be began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. There's a whole lot in this passage, but the conversation that started a few months ago is what led to this. So I actually didn't know when I had arranged this what, what we would be doing for church because for a while there we were doing pre-recorded services and different things. And so this message today is something that I felt would be really, really good right before we start our series next week, Prove It, where we start in 1 John. And so I would love for you to listen to Nairup and hear some of the story of what it's like when Jesus is interrupted and how God interrupts our life and how grace comes through that. So listen to this. Hey, Sunlight Community Church. My name is Nairup Alphonse. I'm a pastor in Colorado, in Denver, Colorado, at a church called LifeGate. And I'm so excited to be here with you. Grace and peace to you. My wife and I have been married for 13 years. We have three boys. And we actually spent about seven years in Fort Wayne where I was on staff at Pine Hills Church. So being with all of you today feels like being home in many ways. So I'm so grateful to be a part of what God is doing in and through you. And it truly is an honor for me to be here, even if we're kind of sharing our time digital and online and, or just watching on a screen. I know it's a little bit different, but listen, I, I love your pastor, John. And uh, actually, I take that back. I, I don't love your pastor. I, I kind of like him. We love, we love Heidi and the kids. They're amazing. We love them. Our kids love them. Uh, pastor John, he's okay. We, we kind of put up with him, but I'm just kidding. Well, listen, we love your church. We love your, your pastors. And, and so we're so grateful to be here. And this morning, I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, which you just read. Now, chapter 5 is, is a fairly long chapter, and so I'm going to get right to work. Uh, Pastor John read the text already, and so if you have your Bible, go back to Mark chapter 5 so we can unpack this together. And, and so your pastor told me I only have 25 minutes to unpack this 
whole chapter. And, and usually I'm only getting warmed up around minute 45. So I'm just kidding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it short and sweet. We're going to get right into the text. Mark 5 is an incredible, incredible story or rather sequence of stories in the life of Jesus. And I want us to today find our place in these stories because Mark 5 is one of the most profound and intriguing portions of scripture in the gospel accounts. And what is interesting is that at no point is there any command of Jesus. Do you know that of all the things that Jesus said that we've recorded, only about 25% are things he commanded. So you have to ask, what was he saying the other 75% of the time? Why does Mark spend a whole chapter with no commands, but rather gives us these three powerful stories in the life of Jesus? And I believe if we slow down, we actually pick up on something rather profound Mark tells us with these three stories. And it's almost as if he wants us to discover uh, this thread in the gospel stories. And what Mark is doing here in this chapter is brilliant. It's so, it's so Eastern in its approach to storytelling. He is giving us a deep look into who Jesus is. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the image of God, the exact imprint of his nature. In other words, Jesus embodies within himself all that God is. He has within himself the characteristics of God, the nature of God. See, so many people want to know, maybe you want to know, what is God like? And you've asked that question, is, is God angry? Is God, is God spiteful? Is God this mean old man in the sky waiting to strike us down? Is, is God cool with, with whatever? Is he kind? Is he cruel? Is he loving? Is he violent? Is he just or unjust? And, and what the scripture tells us is that if you want to know what God is like, look no further than Jesus. In the words of, e, of E. Stanley Jones, God is Christ-like. So what does Mark chapter 5 tell us about the nature of God through the lens of Jesus Christ? It tells us that God is the God who can be interrupted, that he actually allows us to interrupt him. I remember when my wife and I were dating and, and at my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she came home to visit my parents and so she's, she's meeting everyone and, and so for the first time, she sees how we communicate and we communicate loud and fast and we interrupt. And so there is my wife sort of cowering in the corner and she asked me at one point, why are you all fighting? I'm like, we're not fighting. This is how we talk. We, we just, we're trying to figure out where we're gonna have dinner tonight. We just talk like this. We interrupt each other. We, we cut each other's sentence off. Anyone, anyone in there, just I know I can't see you, but it'll make me feel better. Any one of you come from a family where you just interrupt that. Everyone's interrupting every single person. Like that's, that's us, that's, that's our family. And so listen, generally speaking, most of us don't like to be interrupted. It feels disrespectful, it feels unkind, even just rude. And yet, much of our lives have been shaped by interruptions. There's a, there's a term in the, in the business world known as disruptive innovation. Essentially, it's when a product enters the market and completely disrupts or interrupts the way in which that industry or even culture functions. So think of things like the car, when the automobile came in, it disrupted culture, the smartphone, or even an airplane. I travel all the time and I fly everywhere and I'm still not used to being on a plane. I just realized that human beings are not meant to be flying in the sky, 30,000 feet up in the air. And they always on a plane manage to show you movies you don't wanna see, you know, 
Snakes on a Plane, Sully, Flight, Air Force One. I don't, I don't want to see these. I want to see, I want to see movies about planes landing safely. But there's all these innovations that change the way we live. Our lives are interrupted all the time, and we don't even know it. So here's the thing. Do you know that God disrupted the human story, which really is his story? He is the God who interrupts, or as Pastor Tony Evans would call it, he brings divine disruption. The gospel is the story of God invading humanity. The good news, according to Jesus of Nazareth, is that in and through him, the kingdom of God, the long-awaited kingdom of God, has entered the earth. Heaven has invaded the earth. That is why Jesus begins by preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he not only proclaims it, he demonstrates it, he reveals it. Wherever he goes in Mark 5, in this beautiful chapter in Mark 5, he demonstrates the kingdom of God by healing a man who is possessed. He heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and he, and he brings a sick then dead girl back to life. This is what happens when the kingdom of God arrives. When Jesus arrives, he interrupts. But he doesn't do this because he's rude or unkind or unjust or he doesn't care about you. It's quite the opposite. He does this to reveal who he is and bring you to this place to know him more and be healed, to be free, to believe that he is in fact the one who loves you more than anyone or anything in this world. Church, God interrupted the human story. He interrupts your story to show you his grace. And the thread we see in Mark 5, binding the stories together, the way in which God's grace moves through his interruptions, we see this thread of God's grace. Jesus's grace interrupts their lives as they interrupt him. And perhaps as we unpack this, you'll see how the grace of God will interrupt your life. Eric Enstrom was a photographer living in a tiny mining town in Minnesota. One day as he was working, he was interrupted by a knock on the door. And he discovered there was a traveling salesman named Chris Wilden who was selling uh, sort of shoe scrapers door to door. Now, Eric had no need for shoe scrapers, but there was something rather intriguing about the image of Charles. And Charles was an older gentleman with a full white beard. And uh, he had features that were outstanding, as Eric would describe. And, And so Eric asked Charles if he could take a photo of him. And Charles agreed. And this photo was simple in nature. It, it, it was just Charles Wilden, had his head bowed, his hands clasped in front, of, in front of his face with his eyes closed, and in front of him was a loaf of bread and a glass of wine. And the symbolism was powerful. And Eric went on to call this piece grace. What's interesting is that Eric had no intention at all of selling this piece. He was just displaying it in his shop and yet customer after customer would come in and they would be so intrigued by this famous photograph and they would want a copy of it. There's just something fascinating about this image and what's most fascinating about the story is when the photo was taken. It was taken in 1918. What was happening in 1918? A global pandemic where over 675,000 people in America alone died. And the nation was still enraged in in, in World War I. It was in the middle of a global pandemic. And this photo, in the midst of all of this, captured what the nation was longing for, grace. If we could call 2020 anything, I would call it the year of interruption. Hashtag 2020 interrupted. Anyone had plans that you made in January? 
that has worked out, I don't know, vacation plans, work plans, wedding plans, family plans, retirement plans, school plans, church plans. Shoot, we had to have Easter online. Who, who thought that would happen? Every single person has been interrupted by 2020. But what I want you to know is that while we have been interrupted with global pandemics, lockdowns, social distancing, all of us parents having to become certified homeschool teachers overnight, navigating the tension of church and community being different and experiencing isolation and loneliness, anxiety, fear, depression. People have lost their jobs, their retirements and their future. And, and to add to all of it, we're experiencing this deep pain and confusion from racial divide. It's a heated political season. And in the midst of all of this, our lives are being interrupted. In the middle of this interruption, is it possible? Church, I just wanna ask you the question, is it possible? Is it possible that God enters with the divine disruption of his grace? I believe God is entering your life with an immeasurable grace that he desires to lavish over you. Because this is who Jesus is. He comes to humanity full of grace and truth. And here's what's so beautiful about Mark 5. We see that God in Jesus not only divinely interrupts as a person of grace, but that he responds to the interruptions of others with grace. In Mark 5, Jesus really only made two plans. Plan number one was to get into the boat and head east. Plan number two was to get back in the boat and head west. Outside of that, Jesus has his disciples with him, but everything else in the story sort of is an interruption to Jesus and, and the way he responds to those moments. What does this tell you about God? That God actually allows you, listen to this, God actually allows you and I, these, these finite creatures of his to interrupt him. Last night was a rough one in our house. I have three wonderful boys full of life, full of energy and and last night, the younger two, five and three, each in their own way and in their own time, found themselves at the side of my bed, waking me up for various things. One needed water, one needed to find his Pokemon card. Now, what's interesting is they, they never go to their mom's side to wake her up. I mean, they, they, they're not stupid. Don't, don't ever wake up mama when she's sleeping. Ladies, can I get an amen? They say, come to the dad's side. Don't even think about waking up mom. And, and there they are asking me for things that, honestly, okay, water's a big deal, but the Pokemon card, and I'm thinking, of all the things they need, you want me to help you with this? Now, I never said, just go back to sleep, leave me alone. No, I wake up and I let them interrupt me. It reminds me of the words of, of Tim Keller. He says this, he says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. Brothers and sisters, you can interrupt God. You can bring to him everything, every doubt, every pain, confusion, frustration, sorrow, grief, all of it. And he's never, he's never too busy for you. Jesus gets out of the boat and he is immediately interrupted. Can you imagine? I just got out of the boat. Can I, can I get a second? Can I just get a lay of the land? Can I check out the scene? No, he immediately is interrupted. And who is interrupting him? According to the story, a demon possessed man, broken, angry, despised, rejected. We could say he was full of moral guilt, moral and social. He is so strong, he can't be bound, which means he was in danger to others and himself. And in response, the community kind of just sends him away. Listen, I'm, I'm speaking to someone right now. And I don't know who you are, but I'm trusting that the Lord is gonna speak to you 
in your heart. For too long, you have felt guilty. You've been rejected, despised, and even though you're surrounded by people, you know deep down that you are without real friendship or community. And just like this man in the story, you're longing to be healed. And so this man goes and interrupts Jesus. And if he can interrupt Jesus, so can you and I. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation or guilt. The scriptures tells us this. Through his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, he has restored you to himself. He pours his grace over you. He lavishes his love over you and he releases you from all the guilt that is trying to destroy you. So when you interrupt him in your pain and your struggle, your hurt, your, your defensiveness, you feeling guilty for not being the perfect spouse, the perfect uh, parent, the perfect friend, the perfect neighbor, he meets you in all of this and his grace, it sets you free. Then in the next part of the story, Jesus goes back and, and once again he gets back in the boat and he gets off the boat and he's immediately surrounded by hundreds of people, each with their own request. Jesus, can you do this? Can you do this? And they must have been clamoring for his attention with all of their questions. And I, and I, and I think of the scene of, of Bruce Almighty in, in the movie where Bruce becomes God and he first begins to hear everyone's prayers and he's just overwhelmed with the volume of them. He can't even begin to think anymore. Here Jesus is surrounded by people fighting for his attention when in comes his father. And parents, you know, there is no one more desperate and the parent of a sick child. And he comes to him, he's, and he's the leader of a synagogue, which means he, he sort of worked in the church. He was a professional Christian, if you will. He was one of the good church folk, and yet he's desperate for God to do something. He says, Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. And Jesus, hearing his request being interrupted, Jesus goes with him. I love the heart of Jesus. And as Jesus is going with him, he's interrupted by a woman who never even spoke to him. No, she dare not speak to him. This was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, which meant that she was ceremonially, according to Jewish law and custom, unclean. This means that for 12 years, no one was allowed to touch her and she was not allowed in the temple to even worship. That means for 12 years, she had no community. She was unclean. Can you imagine what that would have been like? So ashamed that she couldn't even talk to Jesus, but so full of faith even in her pain and suffering, she just wants to touch him, just the fringe of his garment. So Jesus perceiving, I love what it says in the story, Jesus perceiving that power had left him. Don't you love the way that Mark writes that? Investigates to find out who she is. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, there's a bunch of people touching you. He's like, no, I perceive that power has gone out from me. And she comes before him and she falls before him. And, and Jesus, now knowing that she is healed physically, gives her the real healing. He says, no, let the peace of God be over you. She needed his grace more than anything. See, some of you right now are living with so much shame. Why do I know this? Because I'm a pastor of a church, and every week I sit with people who are so full of shame, so ashamed of their past, their, their, their decisions, and what they've done and what's been done to them. And friends, I want you to know that Jesus meets you. He meets you in your shame. And on the cross, the Bible says that he takes your shame and he gives you all of his purity that only he can provide. If, if you'd be willing to let him interrupt you with that grace today, you would experience a new level of what God wants to do. He would remind you of the sufficiency of who he is. And if you confess your shame to him, he will, just like he said to the woman, remind you that you are forgiven and 
free and can now go in peace. Can you imagine that for her? Now, can you imagine Jairus in this moment? He interrupted Jesus from the crowd who was interrupting him. Now he's being interrupted. And if I'm Jairus, I'm thinking, Jesus, come on. I, I gave you a pressing issue. I mean, I get it. This woman has issues. She has a lot of shame. She's been lonely for a long time. But this is time sensitive. We got to move faster. If not, it's going to be too late. Anyone ever been there before? You're thinking, God, you got to move faster. God, move faster. You got you to move, God. Like, I need you to move. And, and it seems like the timing is too slow. And in the story, the girl that was sick is now dead. Maybe some of you are in this place. Maybe some things in your life that Jesus wants to do and he's doing it in his timing and in his way and you're like, God, would you move faster? Because my, my body is dying. My dreams are dying. My hope is dying. My marriage is dying. My relationships are dying. But Jesus shows up. He comes in his way and his timing. Jesus says to the crowd, the girl is not dead. She's sleeping now to be sure she was dead. And Jesus speaks life over this child and he raises this child from the dead. And the reason that Jesus can do this is because very soon Jesus would interrupt death himself. Jesus can speak life over death because Jesus on the cross conquers death. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. No one could take his life, scripture says. He willingly lays down his life and he will raise it up again. His grace was on display for the world to see on the cross, his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. His grace is available for you in every season. So when you feel like God is not moving fast enough because things are dying, remember that the grace of God can bring dead things to life. You know what I love about this story? About these stories? I love how every one of these moments ends with the person who was once alone now restored in community. Isn't that beautiful? In Mark 5, you, you really get the sense that Jesus was never in a rush. We're always in a rush, aren't we? How's your week? Busy. Oh man, I got so much to do. I have, I have a lot of things to get done. I have work, I have things at home, I have family, I have kids, I have all these kind of things. We're always kind of on the run and we're so insanely tight with our schedules with no margin whatsoever to be interrupted. And yet Jesus lived with a completely different pace of life. He made time for every interruption. He broke racial lines, ethnic barriers, gender and social norms of his day. He was never caught up in politics or partisanship, whether it was little children running to him, a man getting lowered through the roof in front of him, people asking him questions, where he's staying. Like he would invite himself over to a party. He would throw a party at someone else's house. Jesus was never, never in a rush. He was always, always, always willing to be interrupted. And he was always willing to restore people back into community. See, right now there are people around you living in so much guilt and so much shame and even death that they are desperate for community, real, loving, kind, Christ-like community. And I want you to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to make room for the interrupting people in my life. I want to make room for my interrupting kids, my annoying neighbor, my pretentious friends, my constantly in need relatives. I want to be like Jesus and not only experience his grace and be invited into the community, the fellowship of God, I want to extend that same grace to those who are desperate to be loved and known. Listen, Sunlight Community Church, 
you are an embassy of Christ. You are a people who have been interrupted by the grace of God so you can now be the salt and light of your city to express love of God and invite people into that grace. Let yourself be interrupted. Interrupted by who? By God. So you can experience his grace and by people. So you can extend and express his grace. And my prayer for you is that in the midst of this season, you would not miss the divine disruption of God in your life. And you would live in the lavish blessing of God's grace over you, living in you by the power of the Holy Spirit and flowing through you for the glory of God the Father. May 2020, the year of interruption, after all, be the year of being interrupted by God's grace. And if you are feeling the loneliness of guilt or of shame or even of death and separation, know The grace of God is available for you today. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray a great blessing over my brothers and sisters of sunlight. Lord, I pray that your grace would invade the darkest parts of their life where they're feeling pain and sorrow and affliction. And Lord, you would, in only the way you can, increase joy and blessing and favor. Remind them, God, of how much you love them, how much you are for them and not against them, that nothing formed against them can prosper. Remind them that you are using them as salt and light in the community, that you are using them to be the people of God, to be the people of grace. Would you release your spirit to be poured over them and to be poured into them? And for anyone today who is walking in guilt and shame and sorrow, would your grace overflow into their lives? And would you release them to walk in the freedom that you offer? I pray this in Jesus' name and together all of God's people in one loud resounding voice said amen and amen. Sunlight Community Church, I love you. God bless you from my heart to yours. I can't wait to be with you in person one day. May God richly bless you. May his favor be upon you. May his grace be lavished over you from my heart to yours. God bless.